You know we've been doing an A to Z of the riches of the new covenant, that is the new covenant of blood, the everlasting covenant, the Lord Jesus Christ, the riches that are entailed in it. This is actually week 12, believe it or not. Week 12 of the riches of the new covenant. You can go on forever when you gather around the cross and the things, the benefits of the cross. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3 and let's just read a couple of verses please. Let's start reading at verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let's pray. Father, take your word now and inscribe it upon every heart. We ask you, Father, that you would speak to us. Wherever you need to meet us, speak to us. We ask you, Lord, that your people would be strengthened and built up upon their most holy faith. And Lord, we ask you that you would speak to hearts, maybe if there's one who does not know your Son as Lord and Savior, that you would draw them. Let them see the Lord Jesus dying in their room and in their stead. We pray, Father, this morning that you would just encourage everyone for coming and bless and strengthen every family member represented and we ask you, Lord, that you would be glorified in the, in the preaching of your word. Glorify your own name, we pray, for we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. It's verse 17, really where we want to start from, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Notice, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able... To comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. That is of God's love. As I said, this is uh, part 12 of Riches of the New Covenant. We were always reading at the start, and we have moved on at Hebrews 12, verses 18 to 25, where Moses is on the mount, and we're not come to that mount anymore, where that law uh, was given, and where the law, as it were, points to us our sin, our need of a Savior, shows us the depths of our deepest human depravity, our inability to save ourselves, when we are mirrored against the Word of God, when we're mirrored against the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are our schoolmaster. They teach us who we are, and but they should bring us always to Christ. For it's only in Christ that we find that we're forgiven, and only in Christ can we be cleansed of our sin, and only in Christ can we be deemed righteous, for it's his righteousness that we bear. And it's only in Christ that we can come to the Father and enter the kingdom of God. It's only in Christ where we are justified just as if we had never sinned in Christ and in Christ alone. I read just yesterday um, of a place where they're now trying to bring to court 
Christians for saying that Christ is the only way to the Father, for saying that Christ is uniquely the only Savior, and now they're trying to bring Christians to court for believing it, for teaching it, for preaching it, and for saying it. Well, I want to say unreservedly, I believe with all my heart according to the Word of God, and I would rather go to prison than than stand down from it, that Christ is the only way to heaven. Christ is the only way to the Father. Christ is the one and only unique Savior, for he is the one and only Son of God. Here we have the mountain which could not be touched. Then we're told in Hebrews 12 that we are come to a great innumerable company of angels and spirits of the saints made perfect and it gives a whole a whole catalogue of where we who are in Christ and born again of the spirit have come to but at the end of it the the kernel of it the nutshell of it the the very centralized hinge pin of the whole of our salvation and indeed of of the whole of time and of the universe gives us where the writer of the Hebrew says ye are come unto Jesus you see, you can come on to angels and people worship angels. And you can come on to a saint and people worship and praise and pray to saints. And you can come on to relics and you can come on to holy sites and holy places. And you can buy at the wailing wall or you can kneel before a statue. But no matter where you go, unless you come to Jesus, there is no salvation. Christ and Christ alone is our salvation. Salvation is personified in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not in our denomination. It's not in this uh, Elam movement. It's not in, in the pastor, preacher, a pope, a primate, or a prelate. It doesn't matter if it's a cardinal, a king, or a queen. Salvation is totally, uniquely, completely in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Christ alone. And we this morning, gathering around the table, breaking bread, taking off the cup, remembering his death, we are come onto the blood of the everlasting covenant, for through that blood you and I are cleansed from all our sin. Jesus cried, it is finished. Meaning our sins were paid and full, past, present and future. That from before the foundation of the world, God called us with an heavenly calling. And he placed his spirit within us, calling us with that wonderful, beautiful, irresistible grace onto the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, what a wonderful blessing it is this morning. What a wonderful blessing it is to think that he has taken us out of the horrible pit and from the merry clay and set our feet upon a rock and established our goings and put a new song in our mouth. Even praise unto our God and many shall see it. That is our testimony and our witness of the saving grace and the keeping power of God through the riches of the new covenant that is in our Lord Jesus Christ. Many shall see it and shall fear and shall trust in the Lord. Psalm 40 verses 2 and 3. Here we have in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17. We have been doing this A to Z. A, we are accepted in the beloved, accepted in Christ the beloved that is. B, born of God. C, crucified with Christ. We've went right through, having time to go through them all. And we've done G for three weeks now. We've actually stretched this one out. I didn't think we could. But if you remember, we have done this 
this word for G, it was we are God's workmanship. We've looked at that over a week or two. This morning I want you to see that in the new covenant, the riches of it, we are G is grounded in love. Grounded in love. You know when you look at Christ on the cross, you see that determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. You see that predestined elect choice of God hanging on a cross. You see the embodiment of salvation, the embodiment of grace, the embodiment of mercy and the embodiment of all we need and who we are in him. And outside of him we have nothing. And outside of him we are nothing. We are lost. We are depraved in our nature. Unable to save ourselves. No matter by what means, method or way that we try to. We are lost. Praise God he found us. Praise the Lord he came to die for us. And through the blood of the everlasting covenant, that covenant made perfect by the death and burial and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, you and I are now grounded in love, the love that was from eternity past. That love that will never fail us will take us to eternity future. That love will never, ever let us die. Grounded in love. Fortunately, Many believers don't realize the grounding, the grounding that we have in Christ. And many fall away because, let's face it, we're all human. And we all fail. We all sin. Many think, Lord, you'll never forgive me now. How could you love me? The Lord says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. God's grace abounds over our sin. His love is poured out and lavished upon his people. His great love wherewith he has loved us, as Paul writes to the Ephesians also, saying that love which, which it reads in the Greek, that love which would never have been satisfied for God in eternity had chosen and decided to place his love on you. In other words, he placed his heart on you. And in doing that, he showed that by the giving of the Lord Jesus. There's no other and no greater way that God can prove his love to you and me than looking at the cross work of Christ. Lord, do you love me? I say that, we say that, but let's not insult the Father. Let's not insult his love. Let's look and see what he has done for us, coming in the person of his Son and dying On the cross of Calvary. He watched him bleed and die. That you and I might be saved. Here we have. We are grounded in love. I want to look at verse 17 for a couple of moments. To say this will be a short point today. We hope. And verse 17 says. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. See the word there for dwell. It's a word, kata oeo, I think you pronounce it. And it comes from a couple of words. Kata means down. Down. Gives the idea of domination, control. Now, if you're going through this uh, series with me, you will recognize that word, for I tell you these words. 
For a reason that you will recognize them as you study the word and as you go into your secret place with the Lord and you pray about it and you hear it again and you think about it, your heart starts to rejoice at the word of God. It's like fire shut up in your bones and you can't help it but love the Lord Jesus and praise him. The word here for dwell means kata oikyo. Kata means down. Oiko means, gives the idea of a house, a dwelling, a tent. So in other words, that God would come down and it means that he would settle well in. Do you ever get when you go to someone's house and you're not, you can't kick your shoes off and be yourself. You're not really at home. You're in the home, but you're not at home. The idea here is that it's like you go to someone's house that you know well, you can kick your shoes off, and you throw your feet up if you want, and you can get yourself a cup of tea and make it if you want. You feel at home, you're well settled in. You're at home. That's the idea that you would understand of the dwelling of God in your heart. This word is used in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. Listen to what it says. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, please. Let me have written down the wrong word. Let me just rhyme it off, a wrong verse. Let me just rhyme it off for you. It says that in Christ would dwell all the fullness. Dwelling all the fullness. I think it's 2 and 9 maybe if I remember right. I think I've written the wrong one down. That in Christ would dwell all the fullness of the Godhead. The word dwell is the same. That in Christ, the the man Christ Jesus was the indwelling of and the total attributes and powers of the complete Godhead. That he was God Almighty. That he is God Almighty. And how God dwelt in that body. As the word dwell. Now the love of God should dwell in our hearts by faith. The word heart here gives the idea. And it simply means cardia. We get cardiac, cardiac arrest. The heart, the organ, the muscle in the center. That which when your heart packs in, you pack in. And it gives the idea on a spiritual term that uh, it talks of our, our moral and our mental entire activity. It gives the idea of, of, our, of our springs of, and wells of eternal life that Christ gives to us deep in our breast. It gives the idea of the sphere of divine influence where it reaches the very core, reaches the very center, right into the deep inner heart of a man and a woman. The Holy Ghost comes on, Christ dwells in you. He settles himself down. He makes himself comfortable. He gets well in. But many believers are still holding on to the things of the word and the Holy Ghost is grieved. Can't feel his full settling into the heart of that man and woman. Is that not what was said this morning? The Holy Ghost is grieved. But here's the thing. 
if you are grounded in love, gives the idea that once we have the knowledge of the Holy Spirit indwelling us, Christ is pleased to settle in us, then you and I should know that we are grounded in love. That he loves you. Do you know God loves you in spite of you, not because of you? Nothing you can do can make God love you anymore. Nothing you can say. You don't need to acrobat. You you don't need to try. He just loves you. The word grounded here, that we are grounded in love, is the word familio. It means to lay a foundation, to make stable, and to establish. Let me give you an example. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 10 says, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. Now let me show you this. Try and focus on me just for a few moments. I I run this. I want you to get the whole of this, that you'll go home realizing I am greatly blessed. I am deeply loved. It'll strengthen your heart. It'll strengthen you. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Hebrews 1 and 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation. It's the same word for grounded here. Thou, Lord, hast laid the foundation, the thelemio, of the earth and the heavens are the works of thine hands. Now tell me something, all you dwellers. It's the same word as the dwellers on earth. Tell me all you earth dwellers this morning. Tell me all of you when you get up out of bed, was the earth still here? I hope so, for we're standing on it. Is the earth still turning and spinning and moving in orbit around the sun? Is the sun still there? We wonder sometimes over here in Northern Ireland. But we know it's there, even if we can't see it. It's there. The planets are still in orbit. You know why? Because God set it as a foundation. God placed it as a foundation. And it will never be removed unless God decided to remove it. The same idea here is, is the same word for grounded. Familio means that when God places his love on a man and on a woman, nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Not even yourself. Not the devil. No angel nor principality in And whether it's an angel in heaven or a demon in hell, nothing from your past, nothing in your present, and nothing in the future will separate you from the love of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the riches of the new covenant. Here we have the foundation of the earth, and since there's such a strength in that foundation, that is the foundation of love for you. It's the same when we read in Matthew 7 or Luke 6. And the rain descended and the floods came and the wind blew and beat upon the house and it fell. For it was not founded upon a rock. The man who built his house on sand wasn't founded, it was washed away. The man who built his house upon a rock, it stead sure. It's like when our Lord Jesus says in Matthew 16. He says, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. That is who Christ is. And then he says, And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell 
shall not prevail against it. The idea here is the word rock is the familio upon this rock. Not upon Peter. Upon the rock Christ Jesus which can never be moved. That's how secure you are this morning believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how secure you are child of God. And that word is the same. Christ said I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How secure are you this morning? I'll tell you what I believe. I'm eternally secure in Christ. I belong to him. And he saved me. And he keeps me. And he will bring me till the waters roll upon my feet. Isn't that what the hymn writer said? Right to the kingdom of God come and be established. Christ will keep us for all of eternity. Nothing shall pluck you out of his hand, nor out of the Father's hand. I better hurry up and round up. I told you this is going to be a short one this morning. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10 says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us, see the word called us, gives the idea he called you by name. Called you personally. Remember that time when you were either reading the word or you are in a gospel meeting? or someone was witnessing to you, or something happened and God started speaking, and you knew he was speaking to you. Just you. Remember that time? He spoke to me. Oh, almighty God, the one who has the foundations of the earth, upholds all things by the word of his power, becomes flesh, dies on a cross, goes to the grave, rises again, and he ascends into heaven, interceding on our behalf, and he decides that he's going to call me. Me. And you can say that too. A little speck of dust floating in all of those foundations called earth. And on that, a little country called Northern Ireland. And on Northern Ireland, a little speck of dust again walking around it in his sin, in his deep dyed depravity, bound for hell on the broad road of destruction. And he knew me. And he says, Ken, you're mine. He said to you, you're mine. That's something to say, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Better sat myself down. Go for my dinner after this. He called us by name. Notice, where did he call us to? To tell us off? Did he call us to judge us? Did he call us to... Throw us early into hell because we deserved it. No, listen to this. He called us unto his, not yours, not mine, unto his eternal glory. Show me your glory, we sang. Show me your glory. Unto his eternal glory. You're called to eternal glory. Brother, sister, think about it. You and I, we're called to eternal glory. Called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Notice what it says. After you suffered a while, make you perfect. Thank you, Lord. Establish, strengthen, settle you. Settle is the word. Elimio. Christ has called us to eternal glory. He's fashioning me. He's molding me. He's settling me. And he says, my love will never be removed from you. 
I'm bringing you to my eternal glory. Praise his name. Don't be afraid to shout praise the Lord if you want. He is bringing us unto his eternal glory in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's nothing of ourselves. Nothing. Nothing that we have done. We are rooted and deeply founded in him. What does he want us to know? And I say this in closing. Verse 18. That we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth all knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness. Notice, look at that, that ye may be filled. Christ wants you and I as born again, blood-washed, spirit-filled children of the living God that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. God himself living in this temple. God himself living in this tabernacle, this tent of flesh. And one day he will call those who are dead in Christ out of the tomb and out of the graves. And you and I will be caught up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And we shall be changed to be like him. The fullness of God. Now that's eternal glory. That's eternal glory. I better not just go home because I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep on preaching. I'm going to be preaching today at 6.30 if you want to come. Tonight is going to be a three-dimensional look at the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Part three. Part three. See how the Lord leads us tonight. Blessed be his name. Isn't the Lord lovely, isn't he? Wonderful. Just getting into that there. I felt I could have went on about it. But sure, time's way past. We should be away. I'm just getting into that. But sure, that's the way it goes. Next week we'll go into, in the Lord's will, the letter H, our head with Christ and God. Our head and God with Christ. Healed by his strength. Hallelujah. Next week, eh? Praise the Lord. Praise his name, eh? Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's altogether lovely, isn't he? Chiefest among 10,000. We love him. Love him. It's all of him. Bless his holy name.